Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have begun a new series on Imperfect Families, Perfect God, where we learn from the lives of the various families in the book of Genesis and see how in spite of their many failings, God didn't give up on them. He continued to be faithful, true to his word and sovereign in every way. As you listen in, our hope is that you will see the hand of God in your earthly family and trust him with your future. Hi church, it's such a joy and a privilege to be bringing God's word to you today. Even as we take some time to dwell into God's word, I just want to quickly say a word of prayer. Even as we've been looking through the series Imperfect Families, Perfect God, I believe God is doing something in and through us. Uh I honestly can say that over the last, you know, we've seen the four parts of different parts we've been seeing and there've been different aspects God's been really ministering and speaking personally to me. in our own families he's been showing our flaws what we need to correct and take that pivot so that we'll be able to be focused fully on him those misplaced areas that he's slowly revealing it so that we'll move towards him and i just want to pray even as we step into god's word for god's word to fall on good soil on our hearts so can we pray right now our loving heavenly father lord i thank you lord for everyone who's watching or hearing this right now that your hand be upon them lord jesus i pray when as i speak it will be your words that's coming through my mouth lord jesus holy spirit that i'll be filled by you i pray for your blood covering and i pray even as those who receive it that they would receive this and they'll be able to allow it to sit in their hearts fall on good soil so that it can bring about a big harvest that they'll see these blessings in their own lives lord in most holy name we pray amen amen We've come to the fifth part of this series called Imperfect Families, Perfect God. You know, families are where we see so many things are as raw as it can get. Emotions are raw. What we feel is raw. What we, you know, the joy is high. The the sadness is low. Everything has its extremes within families. And it's when we talked about living in this world, we are imperfect families. And we saw from the life of Abraham and Eve. We saw from the life of Cain and Abel. We saw from the life of Noah. We saw from the life of Abraham and Sarah. Last week we saw from the lives of Isaac and Rachel, and them having two kids, Esau and Jacob. And even as we go into this fifth part, I'm going a little back to the season when Lot is mentioned in the Bible. As much as Lot is a story which you can just read through, and it, uh, I feel the minute you start reading about Lot, I feel it's like a mirror. It's like a mirror that we just see ourselves. And um, a lot of you might already know the story. the The bigger story is uh, Lot separated from Abraham, um, settled in Sodom, and then when God decided to eradicate you know rain down sulfur over the city and destroy it uh we know that he and his daughter and his wife escaped but um his wife turned around and saw the city and she became a pillar of salt and um even as um the story seems so tragic so heavy and so you see another side of god who's uh, unable to handle sin he really wanted to wipe them out uh we also see god's goodness uh and we also see his salvation plan through lots family and uh even as we go i just want to immediately dive in into genesis chapter 13 where we see lot being mentioned and uh this is where um we see who lot was lot is abram's nephew he in fact abram had three brothers uh abram had two younger brothers and he was one of his brothers uh sons and he died and he saw that uh, lot moved with abram and abram's father and they moved along and then later after abram left his household lot tagged along with abram and we see lot had his own family by then and so as they are traveling along the story starts over there in genesis chapter 13 it says so abram went up from egypt to the negev with his wife and everything he had and lot went with him abram had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold from the negev he went from place to place until he came to bethel to the place where bethel and i where his tent had been earlier and when he had first built an altar then abram called on the name of the lord and we see this is where an introduction of lot is seen so i want you to picture this lot sees abraham lot sees what abraham does and 
it's evident that he saw Abraham worship God. It says here in verse 5, where he had first built an altar, then Abraham called on the name of the Lord. One thing that we've seen time and again from the life of Abraham is what Abraham believed in, his entire household believed in, his servants, male servants, female servants. And we saw that even in the life of Isaac and uh, him going um, to his male servant, going and finding a wife for Isaac. And we see his first introduction is in Genesis 11, Lord's first introduction. But when we see as Abraham's life starts unfolding in his faith journey, Lot also starts uh, becoming a participant and being a participant in that he becomes a recipient of some of the blessings that come because he is in Abraham's family. And so the first thing that we see is a clear evidence is that Lot too is being blessed because he's part of Abraham's household. So in Genesis chapter 13 verses 5 to 13 is when we see the struggles that come about. Now Lot who was moving about with Abraham also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herds and Lot. The Canaanites and the Pedicites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of Jordan towards Zohar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. As I read in verse 8, um, Abraham being the uncle, Abraham I'm sure loved Lot like his own son. Abraham would have seen him grow, Abraham would have showered so much upon him and so he had groomed him to be a man of standing that he has a man-to-man -man conversation. He's not having an uncle-to-nephew conversation. He's not having a father-to-son conversation. He's having a man-to-man. -man. He's telling Lot, you've grown right now. You get to decide. And Lot makes a choice, which I think in 2023 is more relevant than ever before. He sees and he makes a choice. And so my first point today is, Lot determined to choose what meets the eye than God's will. So being part of Abraham's household, he obviously didn't rely on God. He relied in the direction in which Abraham was leading his entire household. So when it came to himself making the decision, he couldn't make a decision because he did not seek for God's will. He sought for what meets the eye. And it says that when he looked to the east, all he could see was well-watered gardens. It's, it's, you know, when Moses is obviously right, he's referring to the garden, what Eden looked like. He's referring to the flourishing of the land, to what Egypt was known for. And so he went towards that because he felt if he went towards that, what his eyes saw, his immediate need could have met. What is his immediate need? His herdsmen, his cattle would have food. He can pitch his tent. He can probably live outside these well-constructed um, cities and, you know, thrive there. And there's nothing wrong in going, pursuing what meets the eye. But if we are Jesus followers, if we say, God, I'm here to do what you're calling me to do, we need to follow where God is asking us to go. And I believe as Abraham did that, Abraham, I, I love the generosity of Abraham. He just didn't say, you know what, you choose here, I'll come next to you and said, no, he said, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go north, I'll go south. It's interesting that sometimes the decisions that we take, even though we've been part of uh, God's family, even though, though we've had Christian heritage, even though we've had a Christian upbringing, even though we've accepted Christ, many a times we are selfish and we give in to the things that I want to meet. We are selfish. This is a selfish decision of what Lot did. Lot missed out learning from Abraham. What did Abraham want to do? Abraham was listening to God. He said, I'll make you a great nation. Your descendants will be as numerous as the sand in the seashore. 
It says in message verse 10, it says, Lot looked. He saw the whole plain of the Jordan spread out, well watered. This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like God's garden, like Egypt, and stretching all the way to Zohar. Lot looked the whole plain of Jordan. Lot set out to the east. So today, I would ask you, what is your east today? Is your east something that you're pursuing what God has called you to do? Or is it something that you're seeing as an immediate source? No point running away from one place to another because you will be dissatisfied there. You won't see God there entirely. Will God prosper the work of your hands? He would, but you'll find that you're still empty there. The job that we desperately want, is that our East? That friend circle that we're desperately wanting to be part of, is that our East? Is our pursuit just to be in another country because we feel like this is not the place that we have to be? Is that our East today? What did the East look like for Lot? What is that Egypt like, that, that garden, that well-watered place look like? It looked prosperous. It looked sufficient. He thought he can, you know, uh, 1x, 2x, 3x his wealth. He thought he would have his life settled. And it comes all down to this. It's one word, selfishness. He just thought for himself. God was not in that picture. And you know, in our Indian subcon, in our context, we use the word settled a lot. You know, especially when they're looking out for a bride or for a, for a groom, they say, you know, you need to look for a person who's well settled. What does well settled mean? To an, to an Indian context, it means, you know what? He's got a good job. He's probably able to pay his EMI. He's able to have certain amount of savings. He's coming from a good family. He's, everything seems well settled. But let me tell you today, when you decide to follow Jesus, if Jesus is in your decision making, he won't call you to settle. He would, if you think you're settled, he'll unsettle you. If he, he'll unsettle you because what breaks his heart will break your heart because his mission will unsettle you so that you'll start fulfilling his mission. We strive for settling, but the Holy Spirit always unsettles us to fulfill his plan. You know, uh, we joke around, but when Tina said, you know, when we were, when we were getting married, um, I was working in the IT, she was working. And so, uh, it seemed like the ideal thing. And she says, you know, I wanted to marry an IT guy because my, her dad was an IT guy. And so that's why we got married. But then God unsettled us, unsettled us so that we can do his will. 15 years in, I believe there's no better place that I'd be than doing what he's called us to do. Lot acts out of selfishness. Whereas Abraham is big enough. And you see the disappointment that Abraham would have had. God comes through with a promise which later pushes him to move forward. What is that? Genesis 13 verses 14 to 17 this is what God tells Abraham. And I think this is where God communes with him. He says to him, Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west, all the land. He moved to the east, but God gave him everything. He said, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring will be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. And so today, if there's a lesson that we can learn is, let's not settle down for a land. Let's not think this is enough when God has greater lengths for us. He's calling us to walk the length and breadth. We are planning to put a tent right where or even build a house, thinking that's where our future is going to be. What are the results of us taking the step of Abraham, we activate faith. We have a promise which we are running after. We have God who is walking with us. We trust in God and his provision entirely. We hold on to God's promise alone, not to anyone else's promise, not to the promise of an Instagram post, not to the promise of a prophet who's spoken, not to the promise of, you know what, just some random word we read, but a promise that has come with deep communion with God. Searching his word. His word will be your promise. Hold on to him. Read the word entirely in its context. Don't randomly just read something and think it's going to happen. Read in context. Walk with him in obedience. Trust him solely. Not your job, not your bank balances, not anything that's around, but your eyes are on him and your feet are on the ground and you are moving. So as we heard from Lord's life, 
may we not determine and choose certain things based on what we see, but may we turn to God and say, God, what is your will and plan for me? I want to pursue that. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to rather be governed by your Holy Spirit to move forward. The second thing that we see from Lot's life is he failed to participate with thankfulness for his rescue. As Lot continues to stay there, he thrives, he grows. But at that time, when we see in that chapter in verse 14, we see that that land was serving under a king. They were captured. They were paying their tributes to a king for 12 years. It says um, they were under uh, Kedlomar. And when we see that in the 13th year, they all rebelled. They go to fight him and they are in this valley where they fight. It's, it's interesting when you read that entire chapter, it says the valley was full of tar. And they literally, the kings deserted, they lost, they were taken, Lot, his family and all other people were taken as, you know, spoils of war and they were going. A person from their escapes goes to Abraham and tells him, your nephew Lot has been captured. And he immediately musters 318 people in his household. And I love how Abraham is ready. He didn't, you know, put them into a boot camp for three days saying, okay, we're going to go now. Let's all train. No, he had men who were trained, which means he was living the walk that was happening at that season. Every area that they had to go, they had to build their own defenses. They had to build their own weapons. They had to build their own strength. They had to build and protect themselves. He had people for that. He had people ready for that. Abraham was ready. It says he rounded 318 people and went fought the battle, and he rescued them. And we see that Abraham meets this king of Salem, and his name is Melchizedek. Genesis 14 verses 18 to 20, and this is what it says. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And the beautiful thing that we see that happened there is the king, royalty, it says here that he was the priest of God. He knew who this God of the earth was, God most high. And when he sees Abraham and other fellow person who knows the God most high, they exchange greetings. Here is a man who's called where God is saying, I am going to use you through you. I'm going to bring a nation out through you is the deliverer who's going to come out through you. Everything is going to happen. And then here you see a person of royalty who's coming and they both are exchanging. And what is it that he says? He says, blessed be Abraham by God most high. He acknowledges the creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. He acknowledges my God who created the heaven and earth, delivered your enemies into your hand. And even as Abraham hears this, and even as conversation happens, Abraham does this beautiful thing. He gives a tenth of everything from the spoils to Melchizedek. And I believe this is what causes I think um, God to actually uh, find even more favor with Abraham. Abraham was not educated or wasn't told or wasn't taught like all of us in 2023. You need to give a tenth, a tithe of what you bring to the house of God, to God himself. He wasn't told. And in fact, when you, when you see this origin, it is a precursor when the Levites are asked, to get a tenth from the remaining people so that they'll be taken care of. The house of God will be taken care of. You see that he modulated it even without asking. And so today, even as we're reading this, I'm going to go through one by one, which says, first we saw Lot had selfishness. He chose the wrong thing. Because he chose the wrong thing, he couldn't, you know, have a heart of gratitude, like even what Abraham had. Lot could have come out here and said, you know what, here, I would also like to honor you. He could have watched and learned out of Abraham. But we see we, there's no nothing, no mention about him. So even as Abraham gives this tenth, he gives it without being asked. And that is how we need to bring our tithes to God. In 2023, time and again, you know, a lot of them keep asking, why should I give to God? Or why should I give to the church which I am part of? Or why should I give to God? 
the problem with today's 2023 people and our culture is we want to feel good in our giving it wasn't our worship it is a part of worship it is was it was us when we when when abraham could see royalty and could see god it was more or less like worship he wanted to give a tenth even as abraham gave you can see subsequently he didn't take anything of the spoils and we read that in genesis chapter 14 verse 21 24 the king of sodom said to abraham give me back the people but keep all the plunder for yourself but abraham told the king of sodom i swear to god the most high god creator of heaven and earth this solemn oath that i'll take nothing from you not so much as a thread or a shoestring i'm not going to have you go around saying i made abraham rich nothing for me other than the young men who ate the share of the men who went with me they are going to get their share of the plunder he was clear he didn't want the plunder but whatever he got a tenth he was able to give and i believe god is calling us to give today if you acknowledge that jesus is your god and the reason why i'm saying this is because i've been in a lot of conversations we fail to participate with thankfulness we think you know it's our hard work that brings this money in it is but it's because the lord has blessed your hands the reason why we give a tenth and that sets us apart from others is because we tell god you've given me this 100% this whole thing belongs to you and as an obedient thing this is not what i trust on i trust in you solely so i'm giving you my 10% here it's in gratefulness and in worship that we give it and so when we give it we don't govern it when we give it it costs us something i know how many of you sometimes when early on when you're in your giving journey of learning god you'll be like god this 10% seems big but still i'll trust you in that in that ache you're like god i'll trust you i'll trust you you come the trusting god with our money will be the toughest thing and you'll soon see because uh, even um, a couple of months back i was having a conversation with another gen z and another musician who was a gen z and it's in it, the banter was going on and i was in between that conversation and this guy tells him you know what i'm so glad i was able to give some money to my uh, to certain needs that came like my maid i was able to give this to my um, to my, to a couple of other um, non profit things i was able to give this and then this other friend of mine looked at him and said you know what I just want to ask you something did you give your tithes to the church which you're part of and his eyes widened he said bro i'm giving uh, th- this is my tithe he said and he said he, it, it's in, it's the reason why i'm saying banter is because the conversation that happened between two people of the same age group two people who are in the same culture two people he said you are robbing of god what belongs to his and you're trying to feel good by giving out of what belongs to god and he said i never saw it that way he said yes do i don't govern by my tithe because i give it as obedient as i give it because that's that's where our trust comes in we somewhere down the line have become money managers we want to be fund managers we want to know exactly where it's going there's no difference between you giving and a person of another faith giving we don't give for tax exemption we give for god and his kingdom we give for because it belongs to god i don't want to touch it god whatever it is and he goes on to say this friend tells him you know what when i give i'm part of a church the what i see their tithes being put to use it's a big facility they have so many other things do i agree with them i may not agree but i am obeying god and the beauty about this is if we are selfish we will always make decisions that make us feel good bottom line is we'll come down even to a giving we'll think you know oh i did good works like this god's plainly asking did you give what is due to me if you measure and give god god will measure and give it back to you if you pour out your offering to god god has nothing else but to pour out to you it's a mirror reflection of how you give you stingily give he'll stingily give you back you you know question and give he'll withheld things from you today 
there are so many people who are unable to participate in the blessings within families there's a marked difference between one who's giving and one who's not giving one who's obeying god and one who's not obeying god who's justifying all that you see a marked difference within families why it comes down to the bottom line of this you question god in his giving he'll question you with his blessing it's as simple as that you measure he'll measure you pour out he'll pour out that's the equation that we see happen and the reason why i you know as i was reading this why i highlighted was lot failed to participate in thankfulness he could have participated he knew abraham he could have participated that's a that's something he should have participated in today what are the things that we are not participating today we fail to see god in all his glory we are seeing in the select we think we grow the riches we think because and i blame our culture because somewhere down the line we are pressured to retire early we are pressured to save like this we are pressured you know you need to bifurcate your things into 10% like this 20% put it here all that is good but if the lord's hand is not that you won't have a god testimony to share our finances need to have a god testimony our god has to come through everything he needs to break those alabaster jars of what we have in terms of savings fds all that or i'm saying i'm not don't be wise be wise be wise with god's help have wisdom with god's help in the area of finances let your thankfulness come out to participate into what all god's given don't let you know don't say you know what i'm i'll thank god but i won't give god will bless you he has no other option the whole idea of us giving the idea of even abraham modeling this is twofold one everything belongs to him he said i don't want to share the glory with any of you god gave me this victory god takes the glory the second is with with him giving the 10% is more of worship he saw a fellow person who acknowledged god and he had a status at that time he was king he gave to the king it gets us to trust god wholeheartedly with all of that don't rob from god to make yourself feel good don't rob god to make yourself feel good that's one of the fruits of being selfish we are giving to his kingdom we are the kingdom equation is different we can never outgive god Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 to 10 goes on to say like this in the amplified honor the lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors and with the first fruits of all your income so shall your storage places be filled with plenty and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine if lord of you want new wine to flow through it says the previous verse honor lord you honor lord with your capital and sufficiency through righteous labor so what should i give before tax after tax with gst out of gst trust god you calculate he's going to calculate you pour it out he'll pour it out may the blessings of god not be seasonal in your life but may it be an everyday occurrence every month occurrence you know it goes on to say uh time and again uh, you see paul encouraging the early church think beyond yourselves think beyond yourselves in 1 timothy 6 verses 6 to 12 he talks about godliness with contentment is great gain we this generation are struggling with contentment we are struggling he says in verse 7 you brought nothing into this world we take nothing if we have food and clothing we'll be content for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people are eager for money and have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many grief and this is an exact direct replica of what happens with lot and it goes on to say paul tells timothy but you man of god flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness fight the good fight of faith take hold of eternal life to which you were called 
when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What is this good fight of faith? Yes, it's a faith, our fighting of our faith in constantly with Satan being bombarded, but also it's a good fight of faith of contentment. We are going to be constantly bullied, bombarded, to sidetrack, to keep our eyes on something else, to keep our eyes on different things of the East or different things of Sodom and Gomorrah or different gardens, I would say, or different flourishing things. But may our eyes be on God so we can pursue Him wholeheartedly. This inward sufficiency is what we need to build over our lifetime. It'll come to a place where, you know what, giving a 10% won't cost you much. If it seems big when you're earning 10,000, just imagine when you're earning a lakh or when you're earning two lakhs, it will be a big amount. But you will never come to a place of that being a big amount because you are worshipping God with it, that it will be second nature saying, God, thank you so much. And I'll keep my eyes open. If there are other things, I'll be able to give more even with what I have remaining. As we go through various stages of life, when the pressures of the world builds up, we need to put our stakes of trust deeper with God more than ever before. Not on the things that we have, not on the things that we strive for, but on God himself. Because he will provide, he will take care, he will enlarge our storehouses. Our problem with our storehouses is the fact that it has to be regularly emptied. Else our trust will be on our storehouses. God wants us to move to a place of trusting him. Our storehouses fill, we learn to give, we see his kingdom established and it continues lifelong. The third thing that we see happen from the life of Lot was he found it hard to let go of his Sodom. He found it hard to let go of his soul. And we see here in Genesis 19 verses 1 to 2, the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servants' house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. Um, in the New Testament, Lot is referred to as a righteous man because God decided to save him from, uh, you know, the, uh, the destruction that happened on Sodom and Gomorrah. But when you read here, this is where I think, um, if we are not careful, we will be settled well in our Sodom. We see here, as years have passed by, for Lot to be in the city gates means he was a person of influence in that city. By then, he had a voice in that city. By then, he was someone who was able to, uh, you know, have a say in what's happening in the city. But obviously, God was not happy so much that he wanted to destroy that. He had a say with Abraham. It goes on to say that when even as these angels left, he stayed back to talk to Abraham. And he, as he looked at Sodom, he asked, I'm going to erase the city. And Abraham knew his nephew is there and he literally went back and forth even if 10 are there would you choose to not destroy but god could not find 10 and so out of his goodness he sends these two angels and they come lot is able to identify his eyes were open god opened his eyes to see them he takes them under his house under his roof and he lets them stay there but we see the men of the city get wind of this and they come to say, hey, bring them out. We want to violate them. We want to, uh, you know, sleep with them. And Lot was distressed by what he was in the midst of. He knew who these men were. And he said, they are under my protection. The people of the land said, you've just come recently. You, Who are you to tell us what to do? Lot goes on to pawn his daughters to say, they are virgins, you can have them. And look at the depravity that Lot, even though with that much happening in the city, he couldn't just want 
he struggled to run away from it even as he said are there not many he said i have my daughter's fiances and they go and tell them they think you're just you know this is just another ploy and they just felt this is false information and they didn't just didn't want to leave and we see at the end is just four people leaving the city lot his wife and two daughters but as i was reading this i was reminded is there any sodom areas in my life that i'm struggling to let go i'm justifying it myself we can justify why we are there in certain places or is there certain areas where god's calling me to you know take a stand you know the beautiful thing about when we read about the kingdom of god and what god wants us to do in the new testament is he says you are called to be the salt and the light in this earth and when we see we are called to um be the salt and light we are not called to come together we we do come together as a community as a church together to worship but between a monday to a saturday we are called to be out there and being out there is like uh, mixing salt in a dish we will be the few amongst the many but we are called to bring god's favor in it john stott says this beautifully he says god intends for us to penetrate the world christian salt has no business to remain snugly in, in elegant little ecclesiastical salt cellars our place is to be rubbed into the secular community as salt is rubbed into meat so stop it going bad and when society goes bad we christians tend to throw up our hands in pious horror and reproach the non-christian world but should we not rather reproach ourselves one can hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad it cannot do anything else the real question to ask is where is the salt today a lot of us as christians are struggling to maintain our testimony in the places where god's called us a lot of us have entered industries where you know there's no good christian testimony at all you know i'm reminded of a story of uh, a friend a musician friend he was called to play in a band and um, you know as he was playing soon the genre of songs all went from just playing for um, you know general music movie songs and all that into devotional songs and then when that came to light and when people talked to him and said you need to take a stand if you're saying you're a christian you can't be playing for other deities god does not share his glory and he wrestled with it he wrestled with it because he knew that what god had set him and called him and the talent was given was exclusively his the band person who was in charge was not happy he went on to say you christians are like this you take a stand where you can't play but because he took that stand he later became a amazing graphic designer went on later to fly and do mission work god blessed him with a wife with two kids and today he's a father and i've seen others who've stepped into industries who've compromised on their faith and who've lost out on the blessing of god i've seen others who've who are in it who are struggling to have a voice as we read in that quote they have the meat has overpowered them that their saltiness has no taste anymore that they don't even have a breakthrough in their life that they are happy with being in that status because they feel that's the end thing they don't realize that they need to take a stand let it be known today that we christians are taking a stand for our god when i was 2 years back doing a video uh one of these influential singers reached out and said you know what i want to do this song they gave me a whole rundown of everything for 30 minutes and i said okay sure that sounds good you know send me the track 30 minutes later she called again and said geshom um i just realized you don't do any uh videos for other religious stuff i'm sorry um uh, i approached you for this project but if there's anything else that comes across my way next time i'll work with you and i was happy about it let it be known that geshom doesn't do things like that let it be known that we don't indulge we don't have to be part of culture to be relevant 
today a lot of people come to church seeking the leadership advice on whether it's okay to drink whether it's okay to take alcohol you can make the decision for yourself you have eyes you have a mind you have a heart you can see god's word you can make a decision for yourself if you think that's okay it's you'll have to live with that consequences but if there's a reason why i'm abstaining from certain things it's because god's word has worked in and through me it's because there's a clear demarcation that god's asking me to take there's a clear demarcation god asks me to take with regard to things of the world so that culture doesn't seep in there's a clear demarcation that god's asking us to take with regard to the interpretation of his word be away from false teachers there'll be people who will stray you away with his word and his interpretation stay away from them it says here in 1 corinthians chapter 10 verse 23 in the amplified it says all things are legitimate permissible and we are free to do anything we please but not all things are helpful expedient and profitable and wholesome all things are legitimate but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life so today will i stand here and endorse something no i'm not going to endorse if there's anything that i make in terms of decisions i solely get to make those decisions as a church we have a stand on certain things that's because we want to abide for the good of others because if i take a, a stand based on my selfishness that becomes a stumbling block where i will start leading others and time and again i tell everyone has influence what you share what you do what decisions you take affects not just not you but many others down the line and honestly we today as christians are okay living with half tank full and thriving in that half tank whereas god is saying i want to i want to fill you up fully but will you remove that other half of selfishness away that how other half of the world away if you are a musician let it be known that i won't share this with anyone else if you are a person who's following god let it be seen in the way you conduct your marriage you can't be leading worship and beating your wife within close four doors if you are a person who's actually saying i'm a follower of jesus and you are separated you are divorced right now and you're alone may it be known that i am not sexting anyone and everyone trying to get between someone else's pants but i'm holding on to god's promise so that he'll come through god wants us to live lives where we are the salt and light in the world but that doesn't affect us which means i find my sustenance in his word which means i find his everyday energy in his word i find it by meditating in it i find it by keeping that in the mouth of my lips i meditate and allow it and speak his life giving words over my situation let there be a clear demarcation today the consequences of what we do is not felt in the immediate but is felt years later so today for those of you who've settled gods in a sodom area where you've you've been one in you know there's no demarcation between the god you chosen and god god saying right now is a chance for you to take a stand take that stand take that stand with your friends If your friends are saying, you know what, we are going for an alcohol party, take that stand. You don't have to be the so what. Your friends will have to come to a place of honoring you and respecting you, even if they should say, you know what, okay, hey, he doesn't want to drink, so let's do something else. Wrestle with God, because conviction will come only from God. Conviction will be sustained only when you're wrestling it with God. he will give you the answer let faith arise in jesus alone not in what meets the eye find your answer from his word don't just interpret the word for your convenience for those of you who are wanting to be in a all christian bubble i would say god wants to poke holes and say get out you can't protect yourself you can't you know have a dome and be inside the dome just by yourself in a christian bubble step out see the real world 
it says one i heard a person say you know when they are praying it says pray with the word of god in one hand pray with the newspaper on the other hand so that you are relevant you are able to see what god wants you to say for this appointed season right now god has to break and move your heart no point putting posts out to say you know what what's happening in israel oh, it breaks my heart pray about it it should move you to do something and i believe that first thing all of us can do is pray what's happening in russia and ukraine is sad move you to pray cuz honestly if it doesn't move you to pray you are not going to do anything at all i know this is going to confront you this is going to disturb you it changes the balance it will undermine you know our compl- complacency but i love god to work in and through this situation john stott says this beautifully we must allow the word of god to confront us to disturb our security to undermine our complacency and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior the word of god you know some people think they have got everything figured out with regard to the word of god honestly we've not in our different stages of life that revelation of his word will only be unfolded if we've gone through everything well if you're able to understand it stage by stage it unfolds so today i would ask you rather than beating yourself because it didn't end well for lot we see lot's wife was heart was still stuck there something about that place held on that she looked back we later see that lot and his two daughters took future into their own hands they got their father drunk they had um, incest sexual relationships with lot and birthed out the moabites and the amalekites and we see being in sodom didn't end well today if you're having continued sickness if you are having a peacelessness if you are having instability if you've been wanting a breakthrough be it in marriage wanting to find a spouse or wanting to have a baby or even wanting to have a better job or wanting to see your family circumstances change and you're having a problem find out if you are in a sodom if you cannot stand for god god cannot stand for you the equation is fairly clear if you cannot stand for god god cannot stand for you if you have faith in god and take that faith step god's willing to stand with you and see the promise come through for those of you who actually are living in some of those consequences that you've lived i want to tell you there's hope sometimes that hope may not be seen in our lifetime but right now you can follow god wholeheartedly his blood will forgive us his grace is there to call us back in come within the confines of what his word says live it out so that you'll be able to see the fulfillment we see god's redemptive power in the moabites later when ruth marries boaz and god has a way of redeeming but it happened after so many years we can still pivot and have a course correction now and i would encourage you as you step out this week may you not be determined to choose what meets the eye but rather may you choose based on what god's will is for your life follow him diligently and god's will will unfold you know like lot may we not fail to participate in thankfulness but may we always be grateful and participate with thankfulness and lastly the hardest part for those who are settlers for those who have settled in places for those who are because god's word will convict god's word will shape god's word will you know cause us to have a clean cut it will want us to come to that place may we let go of sodom so that we'll be able to enjoy the fulfillment that comes by following christ the race that we are called to run today is till we finish and we need to finish well good and faithful servants is what god says and i want to finish well i want my family to finish well so that the future generations which come through us 
will be able to finish well. I know the sermon can be a little hard, can be a little tough, but God's word, as much as it's, it's, it confronts us, it also embraces us. So I pray that his love and correction you would feel of that of God the Father, and that you'll be able to accept the offering of his Son, and you'll be able to receive the strength of his Holy Spirit for our everyday living. Can I pray with you right now? Lord, I pray even right now, Lord Jesus, Lord, even as we see imperfection in the family of Lot, we see you are perfect in all of your ways. And I pray even right now, Lord, your word is, we would receive your word in its wholeness, not in part. We won't just see it with a lens that is skewed or broken, but we look to you wholly. We'll ask you to be with us and strengthen us. I pray specifically, Lord, that you would keep us in the shadow of your wings. I pray especially, Lord, that even as we step out right now into a Monday to a Saturday, that we'll be the salt and the light that you've called us. I pray especially, Lord, for your children who are struggling, Lord, right now to be Christ followers between a Monday to a Saturday. I pray even as they pray honestly with this prayer that you'll give them strength. I pray, Lord, if they have to left, let go of certain things, they'll be able to let go. If they have to make a clean demarcation, they'll make a clean demarcation. If, Lord Jesus, they want to see that breakthrough, they'll be willing to uh, do what your word requires, Lord. I pray especially right now that your presence will be more stronger in the homes right now where people are. Holy Spirit, give them the strength. Let faith rise up right now. I pray more than anything, we'll see your kingdom come right now, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, for a blood covering over each and every one of us. Strengthen us. Be with us. I pray more than anything. We want you more than ever before. Fill us, Lord. I pray especially, Lord, for those who have failed to worship you with their giving, with their tithes, that they will be able to find the blessing that comes through that in the days to come. They will. It will be a personal journey. It will be a journey, one of testimony that they will never, ever be in a place to doubt you, but they'll be in a place to rejoice and give thanks with you, Lord, for all that you've done. Be with us and bless us, Lord. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pray that you have a blessed week. Pray that God will bless you in everything that you do. And even if you want prayers or if you want to talk to us, we are here for you. You can reach out to us. But more than anything, I would ask that you would meditate on God's word. His word has all the answers. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. And even as you take that first step, His will will unfold for you. And as the years go by, you will see the unfolding of His plan over your life. And you will see why He's placed you. And you will also see what He's calling you to do. I pray the Holy Spirit will guide you in everything. His strength and His peace will be upon you. God bless you guys and have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.